Welcome back, listeners. This is the Ice Planet Podcast. I am Danny, and I am wishing you a happy Black History Month. Um, I have to say, in scheduling this podcast, I didn't plan for Tiffany's episode to lead us into February. It's all just very serendipitous, and I could not be happier. I feel like it's something Tiffany would have wanted. I don't know why I'm speaking about her as if she's dead or real, but you know, hey, go with it. Before we get to the book discussion, as always, we have to go over, you know, the Twitter questions, the Twitter happenings. This week, I put up a poll and I asked everyone, where would you prefer to live on the ice planet? And you had four choices. You had the tribal caves, you had Harlow's Beach, you had the Elder Cave, or there was another option where you could put responses below. Now, of the options that were given, Harlow's Beach was the clear winner, like 50% of the vote. However... I really dropped the ball on this question because you know what I did? I completely forgot to include the fruit caves as an option. Quite a number of you said that they would prefer to live in the fruit cave, which I get. It's warm. It has fruit. What else do you need? Uh, A few others of you said you would prefer to live in Croatoan, the Croatoan village that the ice planet not hoth tribe later moves to in the series um and it also has its perks it has heated floors it has that nice long house it has toilets oh my gosh uh, it's protected from the cold and the snow through the giant hole that it's situated in so i mean also a solid option i think the one conclusion we can draw from this poll regardless of how i drop the ball on um listing the proper options is that we would all rather live any place else but the tribal caves. So I just thought that was an interesting study. Um, I'm, I had originally voted Harlow's Beach, but after being reminded about the fruit cave, I am team fruit cave. Another question that a listener brought up was, what are some other titles or series that are in the same vein of the Ice Planet Barbarian series? They have that same tone, that same banana pants feel. Um, And a lot of you offered some really great suggestions. Lots of people encouraged readers to check out Ruby Dixon's other series, including her Corsair series and her Ice Home series. I literally just learned like this week, I think, that they are all connected. Someone had sort of given me the heads up that a character who appears in Barbarian's Tease, whichever is Brooke's book, is there's like a name that's dropped who is actually a character in the Corsair series. So they're all sort of just connected and hooked together. And I just love that whole idea. A few other titles that were suggested by followers of the Twitter account include the Planet of Desire series by Robin Lovett and Aguera's Strange Love, which features a human woman kidnapped by aliens. At Copper Boom says it's totally bonkers, but in a different way than Ruby Dixon. Heart Consent Heart, that's a good sign. At Lisa Redon suggests the Interstellar Bride series by Grace Goodwin. She says it's more erotic. Mina Carter's Warriors of Lather and Kara Bristol's Alien Mate Draconi Mail Order Bride. She said that one's more comedic, which that right there has me sold. Mail Order Alien Brides with comedy. I'm there for it. At Who Picked This Book suggests Wrath Kings, or I guess it's Wraith Kings by Grace Draven. Um, as well as Claimed by the Alien Warrior by Tiffany Roberts, Halloween Boo by Sarah Spade. Co-sign that one. I saw the cover for that one and I would I would buy it and read it just for that cover. Um, she also suggested the Blackthorn Mountain Man series by Madison Fay. She says these books are not for everyone though. Those ones, they push the envelope a bit. As well as the Cat Star Chronicles by Cheryl Brooks. What else have we got? Um, 
At Jess Reads Too Much also suggested Kristen Ashley's Wildest Dream series. She says it has its issues, but it's engaging and fun. Um, at Melinda Edits suggests the Lynn, suggests Lynn Gala's Claiming series. And lastly, we have at Shelly Wa 3. She suggests Amanda Milo's Contagion and Contaminated. She said she's never howled with laughter like she has with these two books. Just imagine hypochondriac aliens. And honestly, that kind of has sold me on the entire thing. Okay, that's it as always. Here's my spiel as usual. If you have comments, suggestions, feedback you want to give, thoughts, theories, whatever, I want to hear it. Tweet them at me at IcePlanetPod on Twitter or email them at contact at IcePlanetPod.com. I do want to give a heads up before we head into the episode. We are again reading Barbarian's Prize, the fifth book in the series. That is Tiffany and Saluk's book. This book does deal with some issues surrounding sexual assault and rape. We do not get into any graphic details. We don't describe anything, but we do mention the fact that one of the characters, Tiffany, was um, a victim of sexual assault and rape. And we just sort of talk about the trauma and how she recovers. It's a big part of the book. So we, we just mention it. The book goes, there are a few scenes of flashbacks. So if you haven't read it, I just want to say nothing again, nothing is graphic. She just sort of describes her fear and all of that. Um, and then in the book, we deal with her issues on, you know, being intimate again with someone. So heads up, just wanted to make sure you all are aware of that. And let's get into the episode. I'll be here when you get back. Enjoy. Hi, guys. I'm Danny, and I'm here with Fumi. I want to make sure I pronounce your name correctly. I wanted to make sure... I listened to your previous podcast appearance. Yes, yes, it's totally correct. Good job. Awesome. Yay, thank you. I loved you on that episode. It was a really good discussion you all had. Thank you. It was my first one, so I was actually <laughs> nervous. It's kind of addicting. I kind of like podcasting. That's probably why I started another series, and now I'm like, ooh, what, I'll do with, what will I do when this one's over? We are here to discuss Ice Planet Barbarians, but before we get into that, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and just say how people might know you. Hello, I am Fumi. Um, you might know me from my bookstagram that I need to learn how to post on regularly, <laughs> which would be When Fumi Met Romance. I'm also on Twitter as When Fumi Met Romance or at Fumi Reads H-E-A's, which I'm much more active on and literally just <laughs> memeing and saying how I feel with my post-work glasses of wine. Um, I love romance books, obviously. I read them all the time. I am an aspiring writer and I say that very lightly. So hopefully one day you see something more than just me posting memes. Let me just say my 2020 is about me owning things and being purposeful. So if you are going to write a book, I feel you're going to do it. We're going to, we're going to put it out in the universe. Energy? You are, you are writing and you will get that book. So okay, that's what I'm about. Really? Yes. Right. That's what I'm about for 2020. So thank you for agreeing to do this. Yeah, we'll just get into it because I've seen your tweets as a newbie to the series, and I'm very excited to hear your opinions. We haven't discussed anything at all about the series. So this is your first dip into the Ice Planet series? 
literally, yeah. I've I heard it once. So when I was at KissCon, I went to um a panel that went over like bananas books, so crazy books that was like hosted or like mainly by Sarah McLean. Mm-hmm. And she mentioned her and um, I think it's Sophia Jordan mentioned the Ice Planet Barbarians books. And just the name, I was like, what are y'all, what are y'all doing? But that was the only time I've ever heard of it until you reached out to me. <laughs> I think KissCon is where we met, actually. It is. Yeah, that was a good experience. If you ever have the chance to go, I really enjoyed KissCon. I thought they did a great job. I did too. I'm going to Gun. Hey, me too. I'll see you there. Yeah. Oh, I, I had heard about that panel and was so sad I missed it because... <laughs> It just sounds like a good time. Yeah, so in reading this, have you read this type of romance before? Is this the type of romance you typically read? Or do you do more like contemporary, historicals? Because you are a big Beverly Jenkins fan, girl. And every time I see you post photos, I'm like, yes, I want those. Yes, that is my brand. (laughs) I want everybody to know that in these streets. Know know what we're reading in this house. Beverly Jenkins all day. So yeah, I'm actually a huge historical romance fan. That's where I started. It was my bread and butter. I've kind of lightly not read as much. And just, I've been reading more just African-American contemporary romance. Um, I do read... I have read Paranormal, and when I say have, I mean, like, just basically Cresley Cole series. I faithfully read that, um, and I've read just, you know, some vampire, a werewolf here and there. Mm-hmm. Nothing Ice planet no barbarians, <laughs> no blue dicks, none of that. So, I mean, I, don't, I would say I haven't gone this far ever. <laughs> So, yeah, so I actually haven't done a lot of paranormal romance yet, so that's probably what I need to try next. I haven't done... Is Shifters considered paranormal? Oh, yeah, that's not real, so yeah, I don't <laughs> think it is. So, okay. So for this episode, we did Barbarian's Prize, which is Tiffany's book. So I guess, should I... Do I? Is there anything... Did you have any questions about anything? Because you sort of, since this is your first foray, you sort of got thrown into the series like mid midstream. I don't know. I don't think you read the first book. No, I have not read any books, but I did find a fan Wikipedia that <gasps> I hit up and it kind of got me where I need. I think I know everything generally. Like I understand the world mm-hmm. and I understand like who the couples are and how that happened. A little bit confused on like what year we're in. I'm like, so was it the future on planet earth i think it's actually current like current present day because uh-huh. there's other books where they t- they learn realize that some of them are missing time like some say they were abducted in 2014 others are like oh well, when i was abducted it was 2017 so it's present day mm, okay okay i was confused i was like is it like 30 2030 or something or somewhere Sorry. yeah no so yeah we're in present day so okay cool so you're because there's a lot to take into this one, I saw, including the blue dicks and the worms. And there's a whole bunch. But I think she does a decent job, even if you come in mid... Because I didn't start on book one. I started on, like, book six. Yeah, yeah. I do think that if you are a romance reader or have read any type of science fiction before, you have what it takes to jump in anywhere. <laughs> I do think you have what it takes. So, like, I guess overall, just... Overall feelings off the bat, what did you think of this book 
and I guess the series in the world. What did you think of it? I'm always curious to hear what new new readers. I, you know what? What did I think of this? <laughs> what I, a loaded question, right? I was very reluctant. I won't lie. When I first started reading, I was like, you're not going to sell me on this. You are not going to sell me on this. <laughs> and for the sake of not being a flake, I'm going to finish. But I... I, I had kind of had like a moment where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I just couldn't wrap my mind around what was going on. But I'm not going to lie. By the end of this book, I was rooting for this couple. I was like, this is hot. What's going to happen next? Like, I'm converted. It's kind of, it's it's got a crack vibe to it where you shouldn't be doing this, but you're going to take another hit for sure. Oh, yeah. So, um, I'm going to have to say I'm a fan of this. And it's crazy creative like you know when writers are like oh I've had this book in my head and it, it's following me around I'm like Ruby was this following you around? <laughs> is this what you had in your head girl Ooh, what inspired this like what's the the moment where she's like "Ooh, sex blue blue sex aliens I have no idea but I know that HBO is missing a killing <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, live action kidding. remake yeah, I, I'll have to say I'm actually a fan of the series and have already downloaded another book. Awesome. Did you read or did you do audio? Adam, I I'm read it. I read it. Um, okay. I started, I actually started today. So I started at 1030 my time. I would say I finished around like around four. That's fun too, because they're quick reads. So you yeah. can like gulp these things down easily. Yeah, I can't do, I love audiobooks. And I always am like, when a part, when intensity happens and I have to wait to hear it, I will buy that book by any means necessary to read through <laughs> that part. So I've never have successfully finished an audiobook. The idea of people in a booth reading some of the things she's written. Because <laughs> this book was filthy. This is one of the dirtier ones in the series. Mm. But I forgot like some of the moments in this book. She goes there. So I guess we'll get into it. You sort of touched, I was, I think when I first opened this book, I had a hard time because this book probably more than any other book in the series discusses trauma mm -hmm. because these are, we got a group of 12 women who have been abducted from earth and they are captured by the original aliens who see them just as sort of like cargo and, you know, like human trafficking basically. And they go through some rough times. And I think It'd be, it, I should say, and I'll probably add it in the intro, there is a warning in this book for assault, sexual assault and rape. So it is a little tough because she has frequent nightmares about it. Um, Tiffany, our main character. I guess I should say this. Sorry, I'm a hot mess. So this recording is a bit of a, is a bit messy. We have Tiffany, who is our hero, heroine. She's 22, like all the other women. She's from Texas. She grew up on a farm with her aunt. She is diabetic, which played a big role in the first book because before they got their little parasites, she was the sickest of all the women because she didn't have her medicine. Um, and so our hero is Saluk, who is a Saku. He is a brother to Farley and a few of the other aliens that we've been introduced to who do not have books yet. So I'm going to wait on them. And I know for a fact he's one of the burliest of the aliens. What did you think of the barbarians? Looks why? From what you could picture in your head. Immediately off-put. Oh, my. I... <laughs> I didn't know how to visualize anything. That was what was hard for me. I am very used to like an oversized dick, a horn. Like I'm used to that. Maybe, maybe even a tail. But there was a lot of components. There was different textures 
There was ridges, plates, <laughs> horns, a tail. I didn't know. It was like overload. I was like, oh my God, I don't know where all of this goes. Um, so that was challenging for me at first. I was just like, this is a combination of like, um, if you guys are watching Watchmen, Mr. Manhattan and like an avatar. <laughs> oh, the Navi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like a combination of that. And I was like, oh, this is funky. But with the help of Twitter, I kind of started to understand things a little bit more. And by the end, they were cute. They were just cute. Def I'm not at hot, but they're cute. I will say overload is the perfect word because... I'll, I've read like almost all of these things and there are still little features I'll forget about. And then somebody will describe them. I'll be like, oh, they do have tails or, oh, they do have ridges because they're, they're wholly alien. These are not Earthmen painted blue oh. with horns. These are full on alien creatures, <laughs> with alien, you know, genitalia to go with it. Oh yeah, you know what? And I work, I work in the health field. I would consider myself an expert at anatomy and physiology. So when you baffle me, you baffle me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I saw like, I I don't like the. We can just get into it. I feel like we need to discuss this right now. I don't like the spur. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't want to see that. I, and you know, and it's just me probably being a prude because like when I see like. I don't mind it when I look at a vibrator. Like, I don't mind that. I'm like, oh, I know why that's there. Go ahead, do what you're supposed <laughs> to do. But seeing that in 98.6 form, like just <laughs> actually on a person, I, <laughs> it's not even a person, but I don't know. I just, I was just like, how's this supposed to work? <laughs> and the women constantly compare it to a thumb, which is probably the unsexiest. <laughs> like cartilage I'm just like, what? <laughs> Is this doing like when she was giving him a blowjob and she was like she had to protect her nose? <laughs> did, you, did you read that one? <laughs> I love, let me say about the blowjobs. They the human women have been on this planet for almost two years now, and the men are always just amazed by the concept. You want to put your mouth where? Like, do you all not talk to each other? Like you like. How do you not know what a blowjob is at this point? Y'all said that in these caves, there's no privacy. Basically, y'all exactly. are fucking on the furs around each other and just acting polite. So you 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 done looked over and seen the shadow of the cave that she was much <laughs> lower and she was gawk gawking. Like, you saw that. <laughs> you know she wasn't up there. The sound effects. Come on now. You've had to. They echo in those caves. Like... I know y'all are trying to be modest and sweet for your humans who want more privacy, but y'all looked and y'all saw that they were doing something new and exciting. And, and that's why y'all were all chasing after him. Exactly. Which leads to our heroine, Tiffany. So we briefly discussed her. Tiffany is, I remember being really surprised to learn that Tip Ruby had written a black character. Now she's, is she authentically black? I don't know, but she is black you know what i appreciate us being invited to the party i do too i, I appreciate it at the same time I'm, okay so i have one gripe let me get mm -hmm. to it i have a mm -hmm. gripe in the beginning part when he first describes her she is described as different like her hair is a bush right her hair is like a bush he says i see her kneeling in the snow a short distance away digging with a stick 
digging with a stick. From here, I can see the beautiful color of her skin, like the riches of animal hides. Her mane is unusual and that it sprays out in tight spirals like the sweet weed bushes that grow in the rocky niches and make a pleasant tea. I like it though. She is different but pleasing to look upon. Okay. And I was just like, are you describing her as different because of what you are or different from humans? Because every human up in that piece should be different to you. Mm -hmm. You got to tell. <laughs> but I think throughout the book, she was different because she was black. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, all of them are different. They're humans. And you're a seven foot blue barbarian. <laughs> so that part was a little bit like, uh, I ain't feeling it. But, you know. Yeah, that caught me. I remember the first time I read it too. And like, luckily we don't repeat that line often. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that caught me too. So, and I will say, I think Ruby has gotten better. Like she must have talked to someone because there is another black heroine in her Ice Home series. And it's, she's, she's written a bit better. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So like yes, we like growth. So Tiffany is from a farm, so she's out here trying to, like, farm in the middle of the snow, which, I mean, go her, I guess. That seems like a really, I mean, it works. It's not my, it wouldn't be my first thought. But Tiffany is in the single woman's cave with Josie, and they both act like they have been sitting on the shelf for decades. Like, they, neither one of, they're the last woman to resonate. Josie's, like, freaked out about it. Tiffany's totally fine with it. And you understand the whole resonance thing? Yeah, yeah, I totally okay. That was easy to get. Okay, cool. Yeah. So Tiffany is really annoyed though, because she is like the most popular girl in the cave. All the men are chasing after her and she's not happy about it. This book, I think has more shenanigans than any of the other books. And I was kind of here for it. It's the whole contest Josie organizes to get the men off her back. Tiffany asking Saluk to practice with her, the pet, like it's full of, it's got hijinks in it, which yeah. I kind of thought was fun. It definitely does. Like, so you know, she's really traumatized, like, really. And I I think I wasn't as prepared for her, for her to be that traumatized because I feel like in books, you in romance books, you rarely see it linger that long, which mm -hmm. at first I was like, why are you doing that? But then I was like, that's honestly more realistic. It doesn't just go away. Yeah. So, um, you know, I can understand, like, you live in this society now where everyone's all up in each other's business. There's no privacy. There's no modesty. And you've got these guys he-manning for your attention. <laughs> I get, and there's that fear of like, if I say no to them with some bass in my voice, are they going to take it well? I respected that. And I, I liked the farming because to me, her whole, her whole gig was, I might have to get the fuck up out of here. And <laughs> when I do, I'm not about mm -hmm. to die. So I like that she was kind of a survivalist. Yes. Mm -hmm. I respected that too. I just didn't know what farming was going to, what farming was going to get her on an ice planet. Um, but yeah, she said she's going to leave, which is not a subtle threat because she would be completely on her own. The only reason any of these women have survived thus far is because of the help of the Saku. So um, you said something that reminded me of something and I had notes. Oh, the trauma. What you said about it being realistic. I agree wholeheartedly because some of the issues I had with the other books, especially the first one, in the first book, the characters, they all crash on the planet. The leader, Georgie, goes out 
And she is like down for her new alien boyfriend, almost from chump. And on the one hand, I guess, you know, make the best of a situation. But on the other hand, I would probably be more like Tiffany. Like, this is weird. I've been through this really horrible incident. I've been taken from everything I know. I had this really horrible, like human, like, you know, abuse. I want to be by myself. I don't want all these men hounding me. I do think one of the most beautiful thing. shout out to Ruby Dixon on this book for that, for, uh, for this is that I, I, I think she was just hung up on choice because like a lot of paranormal romance is exciting and it never hinges on choice. Like, like their, their spirits or whatever makes a decision. And then you kind of see one or the other trying to convince the person that this is right. Um, and for someone who's been assaulted, no choice. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be comforted by some extraterrestrial concept that chooses for you. So I, I like the fact that it was almost like, um, I feel like it, it wasn't, it's not like criticism, but in paranormal romance, uh, there's all of these like bodily things that happen without your control. Her trepidation, I thought was really well written and realistic because not everyone's going to be like, you know what? I'm cool with my body, totally choosing this person. And, 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 and you get to know these people and you see their traits and you're like, I hate this person. And if my body chooses them, that sucks. Yeah. She gets hung up that a lot. She's like, what if I resonate to someone who will not say who will not listen to me if I say no. And I think Ruby does a really good job at bringing it around because she, they don't resonate until she is actually, this is jumping ahead, but they don't actually resonate until she says, I pick you. I love you. I pick you. And he's like, yeah, I know you would. He's like, you are my mate. And he's like, I know. Like it doesn't happen until she makes that decision. Yeah. I really appreciated that. I thought that was really well written and an ode to just her coming, coming to things on her own terms and stuff. And, and they did do a good job. She did a good job of making, um, didn't feel like it was like dick saving. Cause you know, in some <laughs> yeah. days a day. No, I didn't feel like that. There was more than enough pages devoted to her mind getting mm-hmm. to that point where she wanted to, where she chose to um, be fully intimate with Saluk. What do you, what did you think of the alternating perspectives? Did you like that? I know some people, they don't like first person. And I don't know how some people feel about alternating perspectives. I kind of enjoy it. Yeah. So I like first person if we alternate. If we don't alternate, I don't want anything to do with first person because it's not <laughs> reliable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so when we alternate, at least we get a touch of how the other person's feeling. And um, I've, I've actually become in love with first person. I, I, I <laughs> thought I hated first person for a long time, but when I started, um, just getting much deeper into black indie romance with concentrated in first person with alternation. I loved it because I think I just more so had a hard time being first person in cultures. I didn't understand. Um, but then I, I liked it more overall when I experienced it in black romance and I loved it with everybody. I liked it. I liked the first person alter alternating perspective. Um, it was odd just because he's like kind of literal. Yes. Like he doesn't think like first person can be very funny because you get like those, the inner workings of the mind and there's all these like jokes and stuff, but there's no jokes in him. So <laughs> it was a little stark, a little yes. ice with him. Yes. They're very intense. Very intense. 
Saluk especially because unlike Tiffany, Saluk has decided, even without resonance, that Tiffany is his mate. And he's constantly telling his Kui, that's our mate, Claimer, resonate to her, Claimer, Claimer. So he is laser focused from jump. I, I like the fact that his, I think his Kui knew best and was like, no, I'm not about to do this because you have to go off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do think his Kui laid in the cut uh, waiting for her. It's like they were in cahoots, which is like a pun off sound. Um, <laughs> they were in cahoots with each other. So yeah, he was down, he was down. And you know what I liked about him? He, he was mental. I appreciate the fact that he approached her with his brain and was just like, she doesn't like this, so I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. The other guys, I mean, they didn't take one opportunity to see, is she responding to what I'm doing? They did mm-hmm. not care whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So I just appreciate him treating her like a person um, who, and being like just 100% respectful more than I think most heroes in romance ever are, to be honest. Like, most of them are pushy. Not in the sense that they're damaging, but they're like, why can't you see this? Why can't you see this? Like, I don't know. I didn't get that vibe from him. Like, he was just kind of straightforward and around and and, and friendly. Mm-hmm. He does kind of compare it to hunting prey, which... Yes, he did do that. <laughs> which was something. But I think it was more about emphasizing his observation because he saw that she was not responding well so there's like four other guys there's vasa who's old af taushin who is sort of written to be like he just became a man so he's young um beck who is mean and there was one more oh hassan hassan and so these are the four guys and she even notes like none of them are really care about me they just care about winning a prize i didn't mind the prey comparison too much because i'm like you know what's feminism on this planet? Like we're in the ice ages and he's literally a hunter and comparing dating to literally like what your whole life is sustained off of. Cause they're pretty cut down to the basics. Like mm-hmm. if they weren't trying to get with somebody, they were hunting or gathering. Like it's okay. pretty much all, all of their, they were spending a lot of energy just on survival. So I was like, okay, at first I hated the comparison. And then I was like, dude, it's what you do. It, 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 yeah, it's what he knows. So Tiffany's over here gardening or sitting her crops and Saluk, seeing that she's alone, decides he wants to go over. He has this, my favorite moment in this whole scene is when he helps her dig the holes and he takes the snow and starts washing off his quote unquote fine form, hoping she notices and she doesn't. Like these men are not shy, nor are they modest. And he says that himself. He's like, I am not modest. They like they think they have great cocks. They think they have great bodies. They're very proud of themselves. Yeah, I, and and all the while I'm just here like I don't know if I'm into it yet. But keep <laughs> on keep on prancing and preening for your girl. <laughs> I don't, I, you haven't sold me on it yet. But he was flexing, flexing <laughs> and tooting it for her while he does dig those holes. <laughs> He's like, shut my fine for. I loved it. So while they're talking, he sort of learns about Tiffany's fears and her traumas. And she straight up asks him, this is the introduction of this, can she practice with him? And it startles him so much, he sort of falls back on his behind and he like abruptly leaves. And he sort of, you know, agonizes over the decision a bit. And he has this conversation with, so there's Haydn, who is just like the tribe, I guess, asshole, like, 
every book before his book is everyone just saying, oh, yeah, and there's Hayden. He's a jerk. Or Hayden. I can't pronounce it. And Hayden pretty much tells him the woman you want is asking you to be intimate with her and you're over here talking to me. And that's sort of what gets him off his butt and gets him to go go to Tiffany. I like the whole setup. I liked that trope. <laughs> you know, I, this was done right. This yeah. was done right. Normally, I hate the trope. Normally, <laughs> I end up inevitably going, girl, you're grown. But and when it's not like in this situation, when it's, I don't know, in contemporary romance, I'm always every time like, I don't see why this is happening. And I don't see why this like usually super experienced man is willing to jump into this situation. <laughs> but in this instance, I liked it because one, he's not experienced. Mm-mm. Like he has none. He's a virgin and he doesn't have any skill that he knows of. So I was like, okay, cool. That There's some balance there. And it's her choice. Mm-hmm. This book is about her choosing things because the guys are giving her attention that she does not want and she feels like it's not her choice. And and here's a guy who she picks to experience these um, sensations with. So I loved it. I thought that was really good writing, really good setup, and it was well done. So they agree to do their little, and so they have to come up with a cover. So they go out and they're going to gather herbs. So they go out and the first time they try to do, not do it, like do it all like sex, but the first time they even try to like kiss, she sort of freaks out. And I thought it was a really kind of, it was sweet. I thought it was a sweet scene where he ends up kind of comforting her and she ends up falling asleep in his arms and they just end up cuddling. Yeah, I do too. Um, I I thought it was realistic. Like, you know, you can't even sleep. She's not able to sleep at night. She's had no out. She's had no outlets because she didn't even tell her girls that that happened to her. She said it didn't. Oh, that's right. Yes, she so, denied it. This is her burden that she carries on her own. Um, and so I'm okay. I was like, okay, she's not ready, but she tried. I love the fact that he was just down for whatever she could handle and wanted to support her through any reaction. No shame in crying, no shame in freaking out, no shame in panicking. He's, he was a rock. That's mm-hmm. how I would describe him. He was her rock. He was like, I am here to weather whatever storm comes my way. We'll talk and move forward um, as it's fit. So oh, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Oh, the men in this series can give some some great emotional support. And they're very, they're like, I guess, they're very like earnestly, like, I don't know how to say this without sounding insulting. They're very earnestly like, the ideal man, like when you think of every woman's like fantasy, sort of, they're emotionally caring, you know, big dicks, real belt. Like, oh, yeah. and I love that she embraces it. And like, yeah, this is, this is what women want. This is it. Maybe yeah, they're definitely like a fantasy package package. Like it was like build a man. You would, <laughs> you would give him a big dick. You give him a big heart. Oh, you know, emotionally <laughs> vulnerable, all those type of things. So I'm okay with saying that they're definitely like, you know, the, Magna Carta of usually what women are looking for, particularly in romance books. Yeah. Um, I wanted to go back because, yeah, he goes to talk about 
taking Tiffany up on this decision with his buddy Hayden, Hayden. I'll figure out how to pronounce it one day. And like Hayden basically tells him, I just wanted to read the quote, enjoy each time you touch her, treat it as a gift. If you do not take this and you lose her, you will forever regret each wasted moment. And it's sort of like, I thought they did a really good job at hinting at the next series. Like that's just to take a moment, like not the next series, but the next book. She really builds up the sixth book in this book, not to divert us all the way, but there's multiple instances in this book where we learn about Hayden and we learn about Josie, who we know are going to be the future book. I'm closing my eyes at what you're saying right now because I totally agree. She built the hell out of that book, which when I was waiting on the call, I didn't mind waiting because I was in the next book. I'm in the book, girl. Can't wait to get back into the seventh book because them last couple pages, and that's a skip ahead and I won't mention anything more, but those last couple pages had me on Amazon pressed and stressed, like one click. <laughs> yeah, and that's Enemies to Lovers, which is my kryptonite. Mm. Or Haters to Lovers. I don't know if they're full-on enemies, but that's my kryptonite. I love that. Like the last person you want to be with, you are now soul-mated to. So have fun with that. Injected into my veins. <laughs> So, but back to our main couple. So he takes her up on this. We're gonna, you know, practice bit. At the same time, Josie has organized this competition of sorts because the men have gotten just too much for her. So they're organized. They compare it to the Miss America pageant. That's how she introduces it to the men. And so they have to compete in all these games and it works. It gets all the men off her back. And she's like so relieved and so happy about it. So this is probably the most peaceful she's ever been on the entire planet. She has Saluk helping her in one area and the men have backed up off of her on the other side. Except Saluk does get a little pouty that he wasn't invited to take part in the competition, which was kind of cute. I think it's odd that it never came up though. Like he never mentioned the competition to her and never called her out for not inviting him, never called her out for it happening in the first place. I did not think that was realistic. I was like, there's no way this guy who thinks is okay with this competition going on. He has no understanding of why it's happening i'm pretty sure she does that doesn't even come up well i thought it was weird because he blatantly says himself that he knows she hates all that and that i don't know like she knows she doesn't like their attentions so i don't know why he would see it as a threat to begin with and it's josie managing it so you would think that would be like well isn't it weird that this other girl is organizing this competition for like yeah yeah so and then he also goes out and brings her chompy this character becomes Chompy sticks around for the next few books. It's kind of awesome. This tiny baby Divisti. Like a shaggy pony. I, I love that he brought her <laughs> this, like, this pet that in this, literally, we are down to survival society. It's the Ice Age. Nothing around that's not useful. Um, there's nothing that's not getting eaten or turned into some tool. I'm like, okay, that is so, that is cute. That is cute. <laughs> And she does say, like, it's entirely frivolous, and he brought it for me. And then Farley sort of takes over. That's fine. Um, I was really sad, like, the whole hunting scene. There are a couple hunting scenes in this book that I guess I'm not meant to be a hunter, so. Yeah, you know, I, I'm i not a vegetarian and by any means necessary, but I do appreciate just picking it up in the plastic. <laughs> yes. Uh, I would definitely be on my Roots and Berries game if I had to separate, like, young from their mothers. That, is, that does lead to a question that I've asked everyone so far. You are, if you were on the ice planet 
So everyone sort of has a role, obviously. What would be your role? Like, what would you be doing to contribute to the tribe? Oh, I'd be the healer. Oh, you'd be like the, oh, that's right. You said you had, like, you know, ah, anatomy and medicine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm deep in the health field. I'd be the healer, no qualms. Uh, That was, yeah, definitely I would be mixing the roots and tonics <laughs> over my cauldron, figuring it out, telling you to walk three paces and take a sip of this. Splint this arm, all that. Yeah. So, so we had left off. I feel like we're jumping around a bit, but it's a bonkers series. It's fine. So they have this moment where they, she cries and they do that for a while where they just work on getting used to her touch, like being touched and sort of, I guess, lightly petted. And then in one scene, Saluk on his own, I guess, offers to touch himself for her benefit. I love it. I love it when authors get creative and they do intimacy, intimacy scenes where either someone can't touch someone or someone's watching, like where there's a barrier between them. Like I'm here for that shit. I love that whole masturbation scene. Yep. I like it too. You know, and it's, it's, First of all, masturbation is just one of those things alone that is so shamed in women and it's trash that it is because it's like figuring out what you like is so integral to getting what you want done with other people. But then when you are stripped of your choice um, and you want pleasure, but you're still kind of iffy on touch, I think it's a creative way to understand the person in front of you be comfortable of the person in front of you and still get your sock get your rocks off you know yes so I was really big for that scene um and I think it built up longing like she was going to need to want it more than she feared it fear is gonna be there and it's just a matter of how do I bring out this other emotion more than that? You know, like it, it's not just going to go away in 15 pages or in 30 pages. So highlighting this other emotion that's building and and, and building it to that fever pitch, that's going to be what makes you say, I'm going for it. Mm-hmm. So I like it. And I like what you said, because that's the exact word I used in my notes was creative. I like the fact, because she's... Ruby's got to write a lot of sex scenes in this series. We got to keep things new and interesting. This is also the first book I've read where a woman is sat on a man's face, but I don't know if that's just me, but we'll get to it. It's not the first book I've read where a woman sat on a man's face, but it's like only the second book. And I actually have a deep, some tweet. I don't even know if I still have it because I once a year I delete all my tweets. I'm that type of person. But... Sometime, maybe last year, I tweeted, why are we sitting on guys' faces? Where are the chairs? (laughs) So I actually love that. And it's nice, too, because um, she's still in control. And come Mm -hmm. on, you know you got to use those horns. You know you got to use them. Exactly. (laughs) She had. And that's another thing. Like, she's really creative with anatomy because in the masturbation scene, there's a scene where she tells him to touch his own nipples and he's like, okay. And it does nothing for him. And she's like, you don't like it? He's like, it's like touching my elbow. It's not. <laughs> and it's just kind of hilarious. I did laugh at that. I was like, get off that rough skin. <laughs> I do not have much feeling here, he tells me. That skin is hard, like my knees. And you know exactly what ashy knees are like. And I'm like, ooh. 
Yeah, you know they ain't got no lotion. I ain't got <laughs> them using no Davisi fat or anything to moisturize. <laughs> and it's cold as hell out there. I'm sure they're all ashy. Oh, listen, I every time I think about uh, Tiffany, I'm like, how is she doing her hair? Ooh. What? <laughs> What is she putting in her hair? How is she moisturizing? What product is she using? What are you doing, Tiffany? What products are you using? But I'd be rocking the meanest little <laughs> warrior fade. <laughs> You're not about to have me out here crunchy. She didn't put, and there's a black girl gripe. She didn't put nothing in that hair. She's talking about she missed shampoo. I'm like, girl, what are you doing? Like your hair's coming. You have clearly some type of a textured hair. This bush, as she <laughs> well, what's going in this bush so that we we don't have a bush fire? And you know it's bad because they barely have soap. They barely have soap. They use berries. They throw the berries in the water, and the water gets soaps up, and that's how they clean. So you know they don't have shampoo, and or I they're mean, using the soap, the berries on their hair. In this book, because all I read about was <clears throat> was using the little snow. Yeah, mm-hmm. they have um in another book they it's called they're called soap berries, and they um have to mash the berries into the water, and that's what suds up and makes the soap. <clears throat> they can't eat them; they don't taste well, but they mash up for the soap, and they also um repel like the dangerous fish in the water. So that's how they bathe. They don't; they're not even like making tallow or using fat to make soap, like you said. It sounds funky. <laughs> oh, please, everyone in this book. The coup, I think, dulls your sense of smell, and thank God, because... Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, okay. <laughs> I just had to get that out there. Like, what products are you using, Tiffany? Your hair. Put it up in some cornrows. I don't know. Um, so, yeah. So, they do that. They do the mutual... And I like it. It gets really good when he... After she tells him what to do, he sort of turns it back on her and tells her what to do. Oh, wait a minute. So I highlighted something that I thought was really good. So it's while, I guess, before they've switched, while he's still touching himself, it goes, I think of you, he growls, and my startled gaze goes from his cock back to his face. He's watching me with that focused gaze, his blue eyes hypnotizing in their fierceness. When I touch myself, I think of you. No others, just you. So he has been focused from day one. Yep. Yeah. The minute she got there, I think <laughs> he's been like, that's, that's mine. That's all mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, which is it's I really like how the resonance and the feel like each of these books so far has handled resonance and then the emotional aspect differently. Sometimes they resonate and then they fall for each other. Sometimes they hate each other and then they resonate. This one I liked how he sort of knew from the jump and it was waiting for resonance to catch up, which I thought was interesting. I thought it was really well done. I really like that whole angle that he knew from the start. I do too. And and it wasn't it was very important to this book that the resonance waited. Um, and I don't know if this is jumping forward, but when basically when she goes when she invites him back to his cave, back to her cave, they spend the night together. It's really hot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he comes out and gets caught. And there's a fight, and everyone's like, okay, um, you know, why is this happening? He's like, that's my mate. They're like, okay, there's no resonance. So are you just choosing it by heart? And they, they put it on her. I, that wasn't a choice. That wasn't the time she wanted to say it. She was fearful and it was almost like it was too much. It was pressurized. So she, this, she's not going to be able to handle 
And rightfully so. She's not going to be able to handle any situation where she's not 100% making her own mind and doing it in her own way. When you've been assaulted, you're, um, you know, it's it's you're a strip of choice. It's also a strip of privacy. I like the fact that, you know, his resonance isn't kicking in because it would it would not allow him to go this slow and steady pace that he is going. Like he wouldn't be able to do it. That resonance kicked in. He was like, <laughs> woo, he was definitely going through it. So that would have been hell for her. Mm-hmm. And that was her big fear. Is that that's exactly what she didn't want because she knew it takes over and she's like, they'll it'll take over and they won't listen to me when I say no. So so yeah. What did you think of the way since we touched on it the sex scenes like how they were written things like that really well written i like them um and probably was what kind of made me look at them in a different light because in the casual (laughs) setting the descriptions were just harrowing a little bit but um i you know as she was becoming comfortable i felt like i was becoming comfortable (laughs) the person so this was a perfect kind of like intro book for me because I think it would have been hard for me to start off with a character who was like gung ho. Mm-hmm. It would have been like, why? <laughs> uh, so I, I, you know, we kind of like inched into the touching, which is what I needed personally, since I was like, kind of like odd, weirded out, overloaded by the description of um, Saluk. Mm-hmm. So it was really well done. And um, when in the cave when she invited him back to her cave and they were touching each other i was like this is lit i loved it then i was like okay, he's nasty <laughs> they are so i was like so nasty. nasty but i was like y'all didn't use the tail though they didn't use the tail. <laughs> <laughs> i can't even imagine that has to be coming up what would you do that tail has gotta get used it's not just there but um, yeah, so I was like, okay, this is lit. And like, I just had a thought that, cause you said it, they love going down on women. So again, I don't know why they're so confused that someone would put their mouth on them. And so, cause that's what she does here when they spend the night. It's um, they reciprocate back and forth on each other um, with oral, the oral sex. And it's like, mm-hmm. he's, his mind is blown. They're, they're always just amazed when this happens in the books. And it's kind of funny. Yeah, but you know, I, it also made me really laugh though, because I'm like, you know, if anybody had the pleasure of being like super young and giving a guy his first blowjob, <laughs> exactly how they are, they're going to give you their social security number, they're going to give you their wallet, they're going to cuss out their mama. In the next 30 minutes, you have complete control over that MF. So it was very funny to me. I was like, look at this mug. What's going on? So I laughed a lot. <laughs> Yeah. For like, yeah, for these really big, intimidating, like kind of men who are like really filthy minded and like dirty mouth and all about like, yeah, let's have sex and have the baby. There's like a certain level of naivete when it comes to certain things. So it's funny. So you sort of touched on this. He gets caught sneaking out of her cave and there is a full on fight and they have to get split up by a Haka, who's sort of the leader of the tribe. And so that's when he's like, look, this whole contest thing needs to come to an end fast. So they have a final competition and Tauschen wins. And so as part of his prize, 
he gets to accompany them to the elders cave. And so Luke is kind of, at first she thinks, so Luke is kind of mad about it. And he sort of disappears. And like a hawk was like, well, I sent them all to go hunt. And Tiffany's a little hurt by this. But then we, the reader, learn that Luke has been following them the whole time. He follows them out as they journey to the elders cave, keeping his distance, making sure they're okay. And like they have a scene, which is, I said this to about a lot of things. But this is probably my favorite scene in this book where Tiffany rolls her ankle and she's sort of like limping around and he's like, you know what? Enough of this shit. And he comes storming over the hill, over the rise to where they are. And he just sort of walks in and swoops her off her feet and carries her to safety. And I'm like, okay, you know what? That was very, very romantic. I was here for it. Yeah. I loved it too. And you know, she's kind of a hard nut to crack. And I like, and sometimes guys, I think they want women to always be soft. And it's like, they'll be soft for the right person. And if it ain't mm-hmm. you, it ain't you. And Towshin figured out that it wasn't him. Mm-hmm. A real man came up, the one for her. <laughs> he was like, oh, I wouldn't mind a ride. So, yeah, I did like that. Um, and I, I like the fact that he didn't listen. Because when the leader told him, you can't follow, I was like, are you going to listen to that? Like, you, this is your girl. And your mind tells you this is your woman. Mm-hmm. I, I know you're not about to leave her out here to the elements with this young this young guy who don't even think of her right. So I was happy that he followed and was there to save the day. Do I need to read that scene? Because it's kind of funny. Like he, Tauschen is mad, but he gets, like he realizes he's he's sort of bested because he's like, he's like, yeah, she she didn't want me to touch her. But as soon as you showed up, she sort of flung herself into your arms. Yeah, he's mad, but he ain't stupid. Like you, <laughs> like he knows he well, you lost. He big lost on that one because someone <laughs> is is in pain and they're like, "Screw it, I'm gonna walk a country mile." And then another man pops up and they're like, "Ooh, a ride." Um, <laughs> clearly, you're not the one. Yeah, refocus. So um, I'm glad to know he wasn't that much of an idiot. Yeah, I also like I'm a sucker for that whole like must protect mate thing because like he says. When the trio limps out of the hunter cave, and they do limp, I am incensed to see that my Tiffany, my mate, is leaning heavily on a sphere. It's clear to me that her leg is worse today, not better. Taoshan tries to put an arm around her, and she pushes him away, and I can see the young hunter flinch backward. Good. She is my mate. Nor will I allow her to walk all the way to the elder's cave. No more. No longer. My female is hurting in pain, and I refuse to sit back and let her struggle. And he's like, like that whole must protect you thing i'm a sucker for that in all these books because it pops up all the time i like it too i particularly like it from him because he's he's more than respect to her boundaries and and when he's when he feels inclined to to provide for her he's even pulled that back so i like the fact that it it took it took this moment where she's literally prey out here you know and and making it dangerous for everybody for him to kind of like beef it up so I liked it because it wasn't like he's not a brute in any way, shape, or form. Like it was a serious circumstance that made him puff off his chest and basically <laughs> this is how it's gonna go. But she ain't stupid. She was like, okay, boo. <laughs> knew what was going on. That ankle hurt. So And at this point she sort of realized herself that Saluk is different from the others, that she doesn't mind it when Saluk approaches her or comes to her because he comes to her with a different energy than the other guys. And it's like what you said, it's about respect and boundaries and seeing her as a person. Yeah, he's proved himself at this point. Mm-hmm. So this display wasn't like um, like if Kaiden or Hayden had done it. it you're going to be off-put by that because it's like, when yeah. are you not acting like this? 
<laughs> yeah. When are you not overdoing it? I'm not interested in any of it. Yeah. So when you got a, a it's like when you got like a really, really quiet guy and he kind of yells, you like, uh-huh. let me listen because he don't ever do this. <laughs> Exactly. Josie does at one point, like, you know, you can carry, Taushin's running around like, that was supposed to be my prize. And she's like, you know, you can carry me if you want. <laughs> she's just sort of left there. I don't know what Josie did to make all of them mad, but they are not interested. You know, I don't want, she's desperate. She's <laughs> desperate. And, and it's no, she has a reason to be, she doesn't mm-hmm. want to be alone. And mm-hmm. they dip into her background of kind of not being uh, loved the way that she should be loved. So mm-hmm. I get where it's coming from, but maybe the best word to put is eager. She's incredibly eager. <laughs> yes. But yeah, she's like, you care. And they, which you would think would match because eager meets eager. They are, she's, they're looking here ready to get a hearth and home and she's ready to provide it. Um, so they go to this, the elders cave, which is actually a big ship, but you know, the Saku are very old techie. They don't get that. So and so Tiffany's hanging around in the ship and she's talking to it and she learns there's basically a snow hurricane coming, which sounds god awful. <laughs> Twenty one feet of snow. No, thank you. Um, you're in. Did you all get snow this place? Because we got like seven inches and I'm already done. Yeah, we had a whole ass snowstorm, <laughs> and I've been cold as shit in my house because it's just old and doesn't believe in he- that heat matters. <laughs> so. I've actually been in my own sort of goddamn Saluki gear, whatever <laughs> they are. So, um, yeah, it's super, super cold here. So I felt for her and I was like, your black ass is out here, <laughs> 21, 23 feet of snow. Also, I it took me a minute. So I did not know that the Elder Cave was a big shit. I was mm-hmm. ready to go to a cave with some glowing, um, some glowing finger paintings. And things, and I was like, "It's a ship with a computer that basically has Alexa." Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and what throws me off? So I had a similar. Every time I forget because the male characters will talk about the ship differently than the female characters, and sometimes it throws me off because he says something like, "Harlow is digging in the wall and pulling out multicolored sinews out of the out of the stone wall." And it's like, no, it's metal, and she's pulling out wires. Yeah. But because that's how he perceives it, like it throws me off sometimes, which I think is really good on uh, Ruby Dixon's part to like get in their heads like that, because that is how they would see it. They would see this as like some kind of they would see metal as like some kind of weird stone, a very smooth weird stone. He describes the the way he describes the thread makes sense. He even at one there's one scene where he's like walking through the ship and he just describes how uncomfortable it makes him because they're just not used to the technology and things. Yeah, yeah. So the she did a really good job of going back between the perspectives. Like it was it was jarring because one mm-hmm. I totally understood and one I was just like what's going on, but <laughs> creative to the max. Like she has definitely built a world and um in it. Sometimes, you know, when you read um, paranormal books, like, they dip very quickly back into the present. And maybe only during, like, sex and fighting do they they come off as otherworldly. No. 100% whole time, barbarians are barbarians. She did a really good job of just, like, um, totally creating a character and being committed to it. Well, like, it's in the first book when they try to explain to the aliens that it is a ship and that it used to fly in the sky. They're like, women, like, lady, that doesn't make sense. You try to tell me this giant cave 
was in the air and they like they don't believe it and it's kind of funny because they're like sure if you say so lady they're so in that that's just where they are like the technology wise and she does such a good job at like showing how limited and cut off they are it was it was kind of hilarious so because of this giant snowstorm we've got to split up we've got to tell there's two other there's the main cave and there's the south cave and we've got to split up and tell everyone hey the storm's coming because we also learned it's like a freak storm so Saluk refuses to leave Tiffany by herself, almost to the point of being stubborn, because Josie gets sent out to go to the close cave, and Taoshin gets sent out to go to the cave that's further away. Now, I didn't like this. What didn't you like? Normally in paranormal romance, when somebody matters like so much to the mate, I've seen like the mate, the extraterrestrial mate or whatever be like, I'll put well, let me go do this for you. I felt like him sending Josie out and hoping that she made it <laughs> was kind of trash. Like, I was just like, bruh, if, if it's a short distance for Josie, like, what if it's a doable short distance with some danger for her, then it's just nothing for you. Go run that. Run your ass back. That's a good point. I was like, dude, it's totally do. It's more than doable for you. It's easy for you. In fact, they built this up as to where this whole journey was bullshit. Basically, they mentioned that kids could do it. The barbarian kids could do it. For him to need to send, it's a sprained ankle, honey. Just don't be on it 24-7 and give it time. I was just like, bruh, go out there, grab a couple snow cats, give them all the dung they need for fire, <laughs> and go do this day journey. Don't Half let, day. Yeah, and don't let the woman who has been your um, mate peace insanity um, while she's been here possibly perish, and then you have follow her. That half following lets me know that there was a possibility that it wasn't going to go well for her. That's that's such a good point because they keep talking, like it's a half day for Josie and she's the smallest of the women. So she's got a short stride as it is. He could have probably ran that in like two hours. You got this girl out here with this goddamn <laughs> makeshift compass. This goddamn makeshift compass trying, huffing and puffing to get to this thing. And you know what it all stemmed from? You're trying to fuck. <laughs> That's what it all stemmed from. And I was just like, you know what? You you made all this pro- progress with her. And if something bad happens to her, that shit's all shot because she's re-traumatized. You know, I just, I was like, you can't, you can't sell this one to me. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because she, uh, Tiffany's nightmares come back. She starts having nightmares about Josie getting like lost in the snow. Yeah. She's like, I sacrificed my safety for Josie. And I'm sitting here like, bro, she is going back to, and I'm like, that's a really rough nightmare to get kicked back into because they were, mm-hmm. you know, when they were on that ship, when they were captive, they were in that survival of the fittest mode. So, it, you know, it was a trash situation. And so she's having literal flashbacks that aren't curbed by her man who somehow curbs her nightmares anyways. Um, and I'm just like, this could have all been... Um, you know, this could have all been sidestepped by you just taking the little walk to the corner store, which essentially <laughs> that was, and coming back. Oh, that you just that moment has been ruined. Like you just that's such a valid point. It's nothing for him. Because <laughs> he wants to get laid. 
really nothing. He wants to fuck on the first, so he sends out the, the runt of the litter with a water and metal scrap <laughs> compass to go and tell people about impending doom. And her, and she's so tiny. She's so tiny. That's the one feature from Josie we learned about her. She's like a mouse. Yeah, I was just like, you, you know what? That was that was weak shit. Points away from Saluk. Negative points for Saluk. Mm-hmm. So, but because they are now alone in the cave, they sort of have their come together moment. And Tiffany sort of comes to the realization that she doesn't want to live in fear anymore. She doesn't want to be afraid to, to like move forward. They sort of compare her, her to Josie in that scene, like how Josie is going on full force despite her fears. She goes out there and she does what needs to be done. So I guess maybe she need maybe Ruby needed that for this for this scene to come together. But um so she sort of like embraces Luke as her mate. So basically they like have sex that night. And well, this is also when sorry, I'm all over the place because there's a lot to say. This is when Tiffany sort of learns that Luke had had her eye on her from the beginning. So I have another highlight if you don't mind me reading it. I love it. Um so so this is in Tiffany's POV. The gaze he focuses on me is entirely serious, utterly heartfelt. You are mine, Tiffany. You are my woman and my mate. I know this to be true. I stare at him and then I sputter for a moment when no sensible words come to mind. Eventually I manage a shocked, but, but, but we didn't resonate. We can't be mates. We have not resonated yet, he says. Patience. It is only a matter of time. Our coups must simply catch up to our heart. And so it sort of has this moment where she sees his insistence and she realizes she has been sort of held back by her own fears and traumas. And that's when she finally makes the decision to accept Except, but to to agree or to become Saluk's mate and to be with him, heart mate, pleasure mate, however kind of mate, to be his mate. And so they have sex, and it's in the middle of having sex that they actually start to resonate. So what did you think of that whole, I don't know if that was before the face sitting or afterwards, to be perfectly honest. I like the face sitting was in the foreplay, and then the resonation happens when he's inside of her. Yes, you're right. Because she says, she says, I love you, Saluk. I look up, I tell him, I look up into his shining, his shining eyes. You are my mate. No matter what happens, you're mine. So then they do go on to having, where he goes down on her and she agrees to sit on his face. And she calls herself a face-sitting virgin, which I just thought was really funny. <laughs> yeah, I love the, I love the whole scene. I thought it was really well done. And I was, I was happy for her. I was genuinely just so happy for her that, she was able to take her time and come to this place. And although it was gotten in a very messed up way, uh, Saluk, I do like the fact that there was <laughs> ultimate privacy. So that way she didn't have to worry about the caves or the other guys. Because that was looming over her mind and like coloring how they come together. So I was happy that they were able to have that privacy, but just her verbalizing that she wanted him, that she loved him, um, and that this is, and that she was happy. Um, it was very rewarding, given how hard she had been working to get past um, such a harrowing event or events in her life. Yeah, that's her victory, and it's I sort of like her, yeah, her the resolution of her trauma and her storyline. And they have more filthy, more filthy sex. I don't know which scene it was, but there is a scene where Ruby describes how she. So she takes him in her mouth. She she blows him, and he comes in her mouth. And she describes like it dribbling out of her mouth. And I was like, Ruby, this book is so filthy. 
Listen, that was too fucking much for me. That shit is not, that is not Cinnabon icing. That's all I've got to say on that. I was like, honey, you're a better fucking person than me. That's like a choking hazard. So, like, girl, you go ahead and spit if you need to. I guess she's a champ. Bless her. That's all I have to say is bless her. Because <laughs> these books are some dirty books, but this one, Ruby must have been really in a mood. She's like, you know what? I'm pushing boundaries in this one. I'm going to yeah, take us like, there. How much fucking cum does a seven-foot <laughs> barbarian generate? I imagine a lot. And it and they have like all these extra fucking appendages and shit. You got an extra, you got a spur on your deck. I'm sure... You and 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 then they also mention that he's got like a huge ass hairless sack. So I'm just like, <laughs> I'm sure it's just a constant factory in there. And um, that was a moment of true adoration for her. I was like, you know what? That's your man for sure. As a human woman, you ain't doing that on no casual shit. So uh, that was a lot, and and more ways than one. Your like just dry dissection of all of this is killing me. <laughs> because well, you also have to remember they shoot blanks until resonance happens. So I don't know if that affects it. <laughs> but- that clear ass liquid. That which you know what? For me, I was like even worse. Because here's the deal. You know, have you ever seen a Capri Sun outside of the packet? <laughs> I want to know where this is going. I think so. It's just like kind of lemony water looking. It looks like dirty water. But it's like viscous. It's thick. It's not... I I don't even know how to explain it, but that little straw and packet make it a a juice that you can drink. But I promise if you've seen a Capri Sun out, it looks like it's saliva-y. It's viscous viscous and which is not a word and it's just gross and I've always stood by like there's certain things that just are better off not to be dealt with and one of them is just like thick clear liquids because they always are going to be like saliva they're always going to be like saliva I haven't had a Capri Sun in easily 20 years so I but I believe you but so when that first was just like my mouth was watering in the throw up way I was like this is nasty no (laughs) I guess the resonation gave it the gave it the nutrients and substance (laughs) yeah because it's they talk about it it's clear until then she says that now that's full of swimmers she also says swimmers for her end zone and I was like Tiffany yeah swimmers (laughs) for the end zone I was like ooh okay I was like no Tiffany you're about to have what uh, they call babies kits I was like you're about to have a goddamn litter of kits (laughs) I don't know how I feel about the word kit. Like it's and like the women start using it too. I'm like, just say baby. I don't know. I don't know. Kit and cootie are two of the words that I feel like I, if I were on this planet, I would just adamantly refuse to use. I I could be down with everything else. I'm not using those two words. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just like the black in me. So I didn't really see like they didn't really use cootie in this book, but in the next book that I just dipped in. Josie is saying cootie all the time. And I guess yes. like the black in me always adds that H and I'm just reading it as coochie. I keep <laughs> reading it as So it's like, my coochie is saying this. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so I really hate the word cootie. <laughs> I do too. And like, I did a poll on the pod. Like we, this hasn't aired yet. And I don't think anybody listening to it now, it's probably buried. I did a poll on the Twitter feed to ask like, do you use cootie or you use cooey? And there's a good contingent of cootie users. And I was like, 
why do you all hate me? Like, no, it's cooey. It's cooey all day. And I prefer it spelled with the K U H I. Like, mm-hmm. I prefer that spelling. Because cootie just makes me think of like kids saying, like, ooh, you got cootie. I don't know. It's not sexy. <laughs> like, I think that's what these books are about. So, yeah. So they resonate. She gets, and they go at it. She describes how they, for the next four days, <laughs> We barely leave our furs. So that's all they're doing is just going at it for four solid days. It sprung a question. Does this cooey um, make you have a super vagina? Because you just... Shaving? You were limping from your leg. But honey, now you should be limping from what's happened down there. Like, you haven't soaked in a hot spring. Ain't no Epsom salt. How are you fucking for four days straight? You can run into a medium-sized dick and you get fucked the right way for four days straight and you are going to be sore. So I just don't... I was like, there's no way. There's it's a super no penis. Way. <laughs> oh, that's a good point, too. You're bringing a lot of good points. I don't, is she soaking? She said they stopped to eat. Let's see. We wash the sweat off our bodies with a few handfuls of snow and then we crawl back into bed and make out like teenagers. Okay. We eat, we hydrate. Yeah. They didn't take a whole bath with a couple pats of snow. <laughs> and that is the summation of them defunking themselves. They have not. And I'm just like, there is no way your human vagina could take that. There's no way. It, it, you can't go to pound town with a seven foot barbarian with a spurred dick. And, <laughs> and that the next day you're just about to hop on it. And then the next day and then the next day. I was like, can we at least on this fire boil a strip of fur place it down there for soothing like i was just like please somebody help her the chafing oh my gosh oh lord god and like they mentioned earlier that there was like no remember when she was thinking about sex and and she was like there's no lube or nothing i would use as that and see i think it must be the cooey because in the other books, when they... So it must do something, because in the other books, when the women resonate first, like, before they are close enough to the men to actually want to sleep with them, they just describe, like, they're just instantly, like, horny and wet. So the cooey must be working to make sure that you stay in the game. God bless the God bless the cooey. That, that's the real... The MVP of this book is the goddamn cooey. It shoves a whole IUD out, so it's in there working. Because we didn't, we didn't touch on that. Because we get the preview for Josie's Ooh. story. She is sitting around the fire one day celebrating Tiffany's residence, and she stands up, and her IUD just sort of whooshes right out of her. Yep that that happened. That happened. <laughs> and I feel like, and she's ecstatic, oh, like. Yeah. And she immediately just starts like pointing her chest at all the available men. She wants to pop out those horned babies ASAP. She is completely committed to getting that family started. That is a home maker. Mm-hmm. She, unlike Tiffany, she has absolutely no hesitance. She's ready. And she's like always holding everybody's baby. Like that's her whole thing. Doesn't Saluk even at one point kind of go like, yeah, she, she doesn't hide her feelings. We all know what she's... And that's why I think, like, nobody was vying for her attention. Because they knew, like, they could get it. Like, this one, this one's a little overeager, as you yeah. said. Yeah. Like, not that she wasn't great or anything. I just think, like, you know, you, 
there was like a hard to get thing going for Tiffany. <laughs> I'm saying that it had to be a hard to get thing because I don't want it to be exoticism because I'm like, don't let it be exoticism when they're already exotic, every one of them, because they're Yeah, exotic. I think at this point, I think it's probably because like what you said, Josie was a little over eager. It's literally her and Tiffany left. And so the men are looking like, well, which one? Which one do I want to like shoot my shot with? And so I guess it's Tiffany. And the more she sort of like plays coy, the more interested they, not plays coy, but like puts them off, the more interested they get. The old man's hilarious because he does hook up. So another black lady comes later in the series. Her name is Gail. And I really like Gail because Gail is postmenopausal. So she'll never resonate, but she still gets a mate. So I'm like, good job, Ruby. Yeah, good job, Ruby. It's not all about the babies and the, yeah. Stop. You're about to have me so deep. <laughs> what? Yeah. So she's Gail. She's like 50. She can't have any kids. And she gets, um, and Vaza's like, she's, yep. I like her right away. Yeah. It was really cute. I'm ready for that book. I think, so that's, I'm trying to think if there's anything else plot wise. Cause that's it. So they sort of, they resonate, they go back home, the tribes all celebrate. And that's when we sort of tie into Josie's and she resonates I love how I now have you, not sure of the pronunciation. She resonates almost immediately to Hayden. Her grumpy, grumpy, grumpy rival Hayden. Hayden. I don't even know anymore. I don't either. I thought I'm, and every time I think I'm sure, I'm like, are you sure that's the right way to pronounce it? And I'm, yeah. Let me look so. it up. It's in the back of the book. Oh, that's right. She does throw in that pronunciation guide. Hayden. It's Hayden. Hayden. All yes. right. And so she resonates to Hayden and she's just like, well, shit, my whole dream has been destroyed. And so that leads us into book six. I loved it. I love <laughs> that. I'm telling you, those last, that last couple of pages to me was everything I wanted in a book. Because this, first of all, her IUD drops to the ground. Her, <laughs> this, this extra, this plant thing that they took inside of them that is its own spirit has decided we're pushing this bitch out the IUD drops and she's like oh my god I can make this girl runs up to every available man just to be around them like are you the person I'm fucking tonight I'm making a baby with you tonight only to fucking walk out like oh man I guess he must be at another you know, at a cave far away, start vibrating with her mortal enemy. Does it get any better? It's, I love it. I was so here. That was the first one I read because I read the um, the book blurbs first and I was like, yes, I'm here for that shit. That's the shit I'm here for. It delivered. I'll give it that. Yeah. I love it. You just made me think of something like the Kui constantly sort of vexes me because I'm like, how sentient is this thing because first of all this worm has to realize she can't get pregnant then it has to realize the reason she cannot get pregnant is because of this little plastic billy bob thing in her vagina then it's like okay we've got to push that thing out that's a lot of decision making for one little worm why did you decide now like for me like it felt like in this book they it insinuated to me that the Kui knows what's best and when it's best. So yeah. I'm like, because to me, you've been around your mate this whole time 
and your your cooey, not her cooey, wouldn't come out, but your cooey said no. That makes me think it 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 has like this kind of like mind of knowing what's best, you know, like now's not a good time, right? So then I'm like, well, what made now a good time to drop this IED? Because you sure have been wanting it out for a long time. I'm like, it's what? Why now? So I'm curious about that. Maybe it, it took it a while. I mean, it's got a. <laughs> I don't know what it did to her to get that thing pushed out, but I imagine it took it, took it. A, well, I mean, that's been 18 months to two years now. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I'm so fascinated by the cooey because it's just, it makes the whole, sh- it makes the whole series. It's what makes the whole series work. I love the whole, you get this worm that picks your mate and that's who you're going to be with because the worm knows best. And I love how the men are sort of like, when they first introduce, when they first meet the women, the men are sort of like confused by the concept of picking your own mate. Like the women explain to them, well, on earth, you have a choice. They, the men on the other hand, don't see it as a choice and not like you don't have one, but they're like, well, there's no use fighting the cooey. So what's the point? Which is so unromantic though. It's just like, okay, it's you. I'm down. Let's <laughs> talk. You know, yeah. can you bring me a fucking divesti horse? Can you... <laughs> Can you pick a herb? Can you bring me a not potato? All of these are things that they have on there. So <laughs> yes, like, do. You know, a bunt. Can you bring me, I don't know, a snowball? Like, where's the romance? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's It can be a bit of a mood whiplash to go from like, like, like all the sex to like trying to deal with the emotional ramifications of like sexual assault. So I kind of like that she just sort of embraced the ridiculousness and left some of the more serious stuff and the edgy stuff out. Yeah, and you know, even in the epilogue, she has another nightmare, but she wakes up and she's like, I'm safe. I just, I thought this was realistic. Like, it doesn't just go away. And so this was a really well-written book. And I think I really get to say that about sexual assault. And and, and to handle sexual assault well with barbarians who resonate and just go off the walls towards what they what this being says is theirs and who are proprietary and can be domineering and are literally the life source of these women so you know to be able to include all of this choice and and make it actually kind of realistic and and fun i was like this is ruby ruby was writing Mm -hmm. she's on it and i don't know how she gets these things out so fast but like, there's like 17 books in this series, and then she's got a spinoff series that already is like up to book 11. And it's like, do your thing, Ruby. I'm here for it. Hats off. Yeah. Is there anything we didn't touch on, like plot, scene, craziness that maybe we didn't get to that you want to make sure we bring up or discuss? Um, no, I just, it was just little moments. I think one moment I loved when she's kind of like crying and the first, it didn't go well the first time they tried to kiss. He mm-hmm. said, your fear will fade with time. I'm a patient male and content to wait. And she's like, most guys wouldn't say something like that. And he's just like, most are fools. Um, she's literally weeping on him. And he says, truly, I feel as if I'm the luckiest male alive to even have this opportunity. And even though today has not turned out as I wished, I'm pleased that my future mate feels comfortable enough in my presence to fall asleep. It is something, not much, but something. I was like, that is beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah, that whole little scene was really just sort of heartwarming because I already was worried it was going to get awkward to begin with. And it could have been really awkward and uncomfortable, but it kind of came out to be a sweet, sweet little scene. Yep. 
I loved that. And then the other scene that I loved was when he kind of hit, he got to hit him with the, I told you so when, when the leader was like, (laughs) wow, you know, your mind knew before, before your heart or before your residence, your cooey did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Before your cooey knew. And he was like, absolutely. So I did love that moment. It was just a good book. And I am more than shocked. More than shocked that I'm saying that right now. (laughs) So you, you think you're going to continue, continue on? Yeah, as in when we end this conversation, I'm <gasps> reading the seventh book. I love it. I'm very interested just in the pairings, and she's done a really good job of just having me. It's it's not that I like like the world because it's very barren and stark, but I'm more so just like, how are these two people going to get together? I'm interested in her couplings, even if I can't stand the world because it's just barren and it's everything that like I couldn't wrap my mind around. Like I can't even wrap my mind around the pioneers, so. I say it isn't for me. I do think though that like the fact that it's barren is the only reason like I can tolerate the way they sometimes treat the women in this series. Yeah. Like, no, you can't go out by yourself. No, you get it's because like it will literally kill them. You need a really harsh, isolating landscape where they are with these men who are like, We you need our help to survive. So yeah. the thing I feel like that could combat that was be seeing women more involved in like, I think they could build up like a more like political scene. Like, I feel like they could, like I, seeing women just like more active in like decision-making would be a good way to combat the fact that they're not able to do much outside of the case. I think it does get a little bit better in other series. Like Georgie, who is the maid of Vectal, sort of becomes like, I don't want to say co-chief, but like she sort of is the leader of the women. Vectal is the leader of, like he's the chief, but they sort of come together to agree on things between them. I don't know if that's really explaining it, but I feel like the women sort of get more leadership decisions in that way. And there's another character called Liz who is a hunter and she goes out and she does sort of like the trails with the other hunters because she doesn't stay in the caves. So it's interesting. Yeah, that's a good point though. Having just more of the women running things. I think that's it. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for agreeing, one, to read this book. And then to come and be recorded while we talk about it. No, thank you so much for (laughs) opening my mind to something. Because I definitely was, when I first got into the book, I was like, whoo, okay, girl, we can do it. We can do it. We can do it. And then to me getting to the end and being like, let me get the next book right now, right now. So you definitely um, opened my mind to something um, completely different. It's been a joy talking with you about it. It's been an absolutely funny, natural conversation. Yes. And I'm excited to continue on with I Am a Ice Planet Barbarian Convert. Here I am. <gasps> awesome. I love it. Yay. So remind us again where people can find you and where all your things are. Yes. You can find me on Instagram at Wenfumi Met Romance underscores underneath that. So when underscore Fumi underscore met underscore romance and you can find me uh when Fumi met romance on Twitter or at Fumi reads H-E-A's Fumi spelled F-U-N-M-I so thank you so much well thank you again our next book is going to be Josie's book um exciting times and I'm reading that one with Molly who is my co-host on Black Chick Lit So it's probably going to be a hot mess because we're ridiculous together. So look forward to it. Thank you, guys. Bye. Um, I would just like to say that Capri Suns were already ruined for me before the recording of this episode before. 
I even thought of recording this episode, and now they have been just thoroughly destroyed. I can never, ever again consume a Capri Sun. Um, thank you again to Funmi for joining me for this discussion. This was one of the more wild ones. Uh, I was listening to this one and editing it, and I know there are a lot of romance people who don't like when the word filthy or dirty is used to describe like sex things. I use it because I had a family member who just loved to use the word filthy when she thought you were being like a pervert. She'd be like, you're being filthy or you're being dirty. And I just kind of love it. So that's when I say something is filthy or dirty, I say it with all the love in the world. So I wanted to provide that caveat. Also, I don't know, filthy is just a fun word to say. So I like to call things filthy all the time. Um, next week's episode. Ooh, next week's episode. Next week's episode is gonna be just a hot mess. Not a hot mess. Uh, slightly mess. I mean, you're already listening to this podcast, so listen, your your expectations are already where they need to be. Next week, I will be joined by Molly, my co-host from Black Chick Lit. She was there with me when I first discovered this series. Um, if you go back, I think, in our archive to episodes that came around around, I guess, August of 2017, maybe July, somewhere in that area, you can hear me talking about my discovery of these books um, in some of those episodes. So I got Molly on for a nostalgia read. She and I discuss the first book of the series I ever read, which is Barbarian's Mate, aka Josie's book. Um, the one I discussed in the very first episode of the podcast that just really made a profound impact on me with that whole pterodactyl scene. So I can't wait. I can't wait for you to hear it. It's going to be a lot of fun. So again, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for engaging. I've had so much fun with this series and I can't wait to keep going. Have a great week. Bye.